0: And welcome back to John and Ollie's Road to Brass Band Music The only brass band podcast that needs to be more consistent with their uploads But anyway, apart from that really quite a large factor We are back and we are, we are ready to have a go at it again And I'd like to say, welcome to Series 2 of John and Ollie's Road to Brass Band Music This is, um, we've made an executive decision to start this second series Where I think we're going to we're going to take a different kind of direction. Um, so we're going to have a different kind of category each each week. So we might include some new brand new pieces or not nearly new maybe. But then some of the older things which we are going to have a look at today. We're going to have kind of a an heritage episode. This is, so this is going to cover a large part of the start of the brass band music in the Salvation Army, um, so going back to well over a hundred years ago now we think about um, the start of the Salvation Army Brass band mu- Movement and we think of um, the, comp- the early composers um, That I can't actually think of one right now but um, lots of um, very prominent if you think about it right now how their back, how their start has led to amazing works and just peaceful and moving meditations that we that we now can listen to whenever we like, or have been geniusly created by some of the famous names in the right-hand corner of a piece of music. But anyway, um, this is the start of Epic, uh, series two, and we're going to start. Very start. We are we are starting over a hundred years ago. This in, this recording, in fact, is over a hundred years old. Um, it's it's from um, international staff band. Surprisingly, they were still around then. They were actually founded in 1891, um, and it contained mo- mainly. Well, I think it always contained workers in the Salvation Army up, uh, up until. Um, not too long ago, where just um, Salvationists joined, um, and that, that's where Derek Kane and Steve, Dr. Stephen Cobb have come into the band, and um, different names on that, that that have been able to join into the band and make the band what it is today. And I think that's really important for uh, kind of development the especially in the early days. They really set a anchor. And gripped people to the idea of a brass band in the church. Now we are we are go, about to listen to a piece of history. Um, so th- this is pr- one of the first international staff band recordings. Full stop. Um, it's the first. It's from the first set of commercial recordings um, that were released by the international staff band back in 1904, along with the um, Black Dyke Band, who are. Were just as famous, maybe, maybe even more famous than the International Staff Band, especially around the world, even though people even outside the Salvation Army know who the ISB are. But I think Black Dyke are very famous as well. But we are going to listen to Comrades Aroused to the Call and Onward Christian Soldiers. Um, now, when they recorded this um, from, um, from the 78, I don't think they could distinguish properly where the start and the end of the piece of music was or they're just too short because um the master was on a wax cylinder one of those Edison ones made out of wax funnily enough um but we're going to listen to the international staff band back in 1904 led by lieutenant colonel george mitchell who led them from 1894 to 1920 um and they're, now they're going to play Comrades Aroused to the Call and Onward Christian Soldiers. Arouse the Core and Onward Christian Soldiers uh, from the International Staff Band's first public um, recording that they did in 1904, which is quite interesting. When I first heard that recording there, I thought, I'd, I, I nearly laughed. I was like, really? Was it really that bad? Was the recording really, really that bad? But there's, I think the story was, that the ISB of I, I think they had reduced numbers just to record that because they all had to gather around this one kind of um, funnel or uh, i don't know the word but but to so record onto a wax cylinder you needed one of those gramophone things and you you'd basically either sing into that or do something in kind of that and it would Engrave onto the wax cylinder, and if <laughs> it's just weird to think now, a, a group of I don't know fifteen or something, you got maybe three cornets, or you got the soprano there if you could hear that, that was quite in your ear, in your face, and you you've got a couple of horns, you got a couple of basses which you can't really hear because the bass response. That's I'm not going to go into that because that's boring. But you just think of like fifteen members, you just kind of tucked around this one kind of long cylinder and then you just got the bandmaster behind conducting away like yeah nothing 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 is wrong (laughs) i don't think that would happen now but you see that's 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 where it all started and you just see the development now you see bands record now especially isb they do a lot of coverage of how they record things and the, the kind of... They have a van at the, at the back. They've got about 20 microphones. They'll have a camera on a rig and everything. It's, it's great. But back then, they had a box, a piece of wax, a needle, and, um, and one of those gramophone things. Um, but that's how it was. Um, but anyway, moving on from one of the earliest recordings of Salvation Army ever made. It, it's not the first... Because the first one uh, was in 19- 1896 and um, it was the Trade Headquarters band who recorded a wax cylinder. Um, but the staff band made the first commercial dis- recording, which I think is, um, stood a bit more up to the test of time. Um, but still, I've heard uh, on the soldiers, not very often, but I think that's still played today. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I've never heard of Comrades aroused to the call I have to say um, But moving on um, Let's move on a little bit Not too far later But kind of Moving into War, war period So um, we're going to listen now To the classic, classic March Star Lake, Conducted by the composer himself Eric Ball With the International Staff Band in 1943. Uh, now. In the, um, the notes. That I have here. It, of the recording itself. It says. Listen out for a falling chair. Um, I've listened to it a few times. I, c- I cannot spot the falling chair. If you can spot the falling chair. Please let me know. Because I'd love to. I'd love to be able to say. Oh I, I see it now. I, I get you now. But at the moment. I can't hear it. But anyway. Let's, let's listen to. Starlight Compose. Um. Composed by Eric Ball and then conducted by Eric Ball, who was um, international ban- international staff bandmaster from 1942 up until 1994. So here's Starlight. <laughs> Man himself, who who wrote it back in the day, after his trip to the Starlight Music Camp that happens every year over in the United States. Um, let's move on from a march right now. Uh, we're going to listen to um, a very it's very famous, especially the introduction um, of the piece, and it's by Major Leslie Condon. Um, who some say he died far too young. He died in 1983, unfortunately, um, on Christmas Eve as well, which, would, which wouldn't which would have been overly pleasant for the Condon family. But we're going to listen to his great piece, um, The Call of the Righteous. Uh, this is a synonymous piece with many first-row cornet players who have to play this very, very big um opening, which takes no prisoners if you get it wrong. It takes a really, really st- kind of strong mind to just block out other bad things and just let the, the phrase happen because I think that's sometimes what people struggle with. I'd, I, Personally, I've never played The Call of the Writers. I'd love to. It's one of the pieces I'd love to play, um, but I, I haven't had the opportunity yet. Let's hopefully, in the in the future, I get the chance to play that very famous do That bit. If, if you... If you never listen to The Call of the Righteous, well, you're about to. Um, So let's listen to Major Leslie Condon's great work, The Call of the Righteous. Amazing The Call of the Righteous by uh, Major Leslie Condon back in the nineteen sixties. Roughly about nineteen sixty four he might have wrote it wrote it. Maybe even nineteen sixty two. I think I think it might be 1962 because there is a recording of the ISB going to I think it's Finland or Sweden, one of one of the Scandinavian countries and they played this. And I didn't think this was released until nineteen sixty six, but it might have been just manuscript paper at that point. And they, they took that with them and said, "Oh, this looks nice. We'll play that instead." Um, but that's what I think. That's that's what another piece they played in 1962, and it stuck. And it stuck still now. It's, it's lots of people's favourites still, and it's and it's classed as one of the great works of the Salvation Army. And it so it should. It's an amazing piece of music. Now let's go on to the news section. Um, we haven't done the news in a while because. There's nothing been really going on at the moment. Um, I'd like to say a bit of news about our podcast. We have reached over 850 total views over all 16 episodes so far. So I thank you for your great support. And I hope that that still grows in number. I I hope this, this new strategy kind of works and everyone enjoys what we're doing. Second bit of news is um, that um, my my core band, um, Birmingham Citadel. Um, hello, everyone from Birmingham Citadel. They are they've been doing a three part concert series with three bands, two of them local and one of them from um, Wales. which is Very nice. Been to Wales a few times. It's it's okay when it's not raining. I think most people who agree with me there but they've done two concerts so far from the recording of this episode they are, they are due to do another one in this the week that this has been recorded on the 26th of June at um 3 p.m. I think it starts at Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army um and it's Birmingham Citadel Band with the Tredega Band from Wales and I thought Oh, that's interesting. So I'll, 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 be, I'll be going there. So hopefully people can come along too. There, There's not many tickets left. So um, just get get on there as soon as possible because it'll be a great afternoon. And if you want to see some highlights from the past two concerts, they are on the Birmingham Citadel YouTube channel. I'm promoting Birmingham Citadel now. Here we go. Might get a few more viewers now. Um, so... Go go do that now. To those who are a Wob Play subscriber, like me, you uh, you may have noticed that the International Staff Band, who who we've been talking quite a lot about recently, have rec- re- uh, recently produced a um, an hour long um, film called An Audience with the ISB, and I won't ruin it for you all, but they play a lot of good music from um uh, it's all heritage things so you've got some things from the 1930s um all the way up until the 1980s um where that kind of experimentation um took off again uh, so in the 1960s there was a big boom of um kind of new th- new music and new styles of writing and then in 1980s it it exploded again and it really um Paul Marsh really talks about that, and he, he mentions to the Dr. Stephen Cobb um, in their kind of interview in the middle how how different composers and conductors have influenced um, Salvation Army music today. And it was really great to see some some old faces. Oh, I shouldn't really say old; they're, they're still young to uh, many people. Um, the legends of the Salvation Army. Well, we'd say legends, maybe, um, kind of icons, especially in the international staff band, as we saw there. We had we had Dr Stephen Cobb obviously, um, as bandmaster. We had the likes of David Dawes in the audience, Derek Kane in the audience, um we had we had we even had Roland Cobb in the audience, which I was like, well, that's very nice. Um he he might be featuring featuring later on in this episode, no spoilers. Um, and, but there was also the principal euphonium um morris cooper who who comes from um yorkshire um and, and he um apparently knows my granddad, so that's great um but this um it, it was really really nice to to see kind of all um lots lots of people that have experienced this this thing that i think was beautifully beautifully constructed. Uh, by the, the WOD Play team and um, Music Editorial, if Music Editorial had anything to do with it. Um, but yeah, that concludes the end of the news. Now, talking about um, Roland Cobb, we're now going to um, listen to um, one of the most, one of the more famous Cornet Solo recordings um, in the Salvation Army. It seems that everyone I mention it to knows, oh yeah, I know what you're on about. Uh, we're now going to listen to Roland Cobb's recording of "Wondrous Day" um, by Eric Liedson, ba- uh, back in 1957, if I'm not um, wrong. If I if I am correct, if I need to be corrected, then please um, please let me know because I'd love to know the proper date. But um, on the recording I have, that's what that's what it says it's from. If if I'm wrong, then please correct me because I'd love to know when it was actually recorded. Now, wondrous day is is one of those corn, one of those Eric lives iconic cornet solos with that kind of, air very kind of feel about it. If you th- if you think about yeah, very the old wells for instance by Eric Bohr it's it's kind of like that. It's kind of like an adventure. You have different stages. You have different emotions. You have different kind. Of, you have twiddly bits. You have slow bits. It's it's all very technical and quite challenging. I I. Recently, t- attempted to play it not out obviously because I don't think I'd ever be able to do that, but um, kind of pr- try and play it in my in my um practice time. I have to say it's it's very 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 difficult. Uh, it, some bits are very difficult, especially the six eight part where it's all just semi-quavers for like bars upon bars, and I'm like, Roland Carvey's is an absolute legend. How he could, d- and he's probably one of the first to record it. And how we just knew how it was supposed to be, and uh, uh, maybe by the guidance of some other people in the, in the band at the time, but s- still to just pull that off one of the first recordings of this iconic cornet solo now is just amazing, and I really enjoy the solo, and I've listened to this version many a time, and I hope you you enjoy it too now. so here is the cornet solo wondrous day played by Roland Cobb. rendition of um, the call it solo Wondrous Day by Ronan Cobb back in 1957 and I, I think that's if you think too earlier on when I, when I played Comrades Aroused Arous to the Call and the audio quality of that compared to just 40 years later more or less 43 years later and how different the sound is Obviously, but it's also how the band has developed, the sound of the band. Yeah, but even from Star Lake to, um, one just say I know it was under two different bandmasters, and Eric Paul and Bernie Adams, were two, separately two different people, totally different. In I think in the way they kind of constructed the band, I think Eric Ball was very. He had a very kind of strict beat, and. Every note mattered, um, whereas Bernie Adams, he he just bought that kind of infamous um, kind of sound of the staff band, and that, and he was he's probably one of the most famous staff band masters um, um, ever. Um, apart from, well, m- many people just know of Dr. Stephen Cobb now, um, especially people my age, unfortunately. But I think it's good to, to learn about the past, reflect upon the past and improve in the future of what people have done in the past and celebrate like um, what the International Staff Band are doing at the moment for Ray Stoneman Allen. It would have been his 100th birthday this year if he would have um, been with us still. Unfortunately, he's not, um, but his, his legacy still lives on. And I think, I think that's such a great, great kind of symbol of his, um, his greatness. Because um, a a territorial youth band, which I went to in February, we did talk about Ray, and 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 doc and the doctor said how how like he influenced um, army music, how he was ahead of his time, and kind of that we should celebrate what he's done, what he's done, and how kind of influential he was on other people, and I I think that's a great way of remembering him. We're now going to go back in time a little bit. Not with the recording age, because the recording age is actually quite recent. But um, the actual piece itself, we're going to listen to the... the uh, regarded as one of the first proper kind of anthems, kind of tone poems almost, of uh, proper tone poems of the Salvation Army. Um, in, in Eric Ball's Exodus, in. 1937, which, um, going a, a back a bit from um, Eric Leiden's solo, Cornic solo, Wondrous Day, which was re- released in 1957, as, as far as I can um, tell. But um, anyway, we're going to listen to this, this great piece of music, Exodus, played by the Grimethorpe Colliery Band. See, I told you there'd be a different band. Um, so here's the Grimethorpe Co- Colliery Band playing Exodus.
1: uh mm-hmm.
0: Eric Ball's Exodus. Um, I I love that piece. I I I never listened to it properly until I saw it on um, the history of brass band music. Um, the Salvation Army connection, the one that grimthorpe did. That's why Grindthorpe played this, and I thought, I love this. This is amazing, and I think everything about it is absolutely. It's it's just a work of art, I think. In my opinion, uh, I don't know how. It, I know he was an absolutely amazing um, writer and arranger. Eric War was but that. It just it boggles me on how how kind of intricate everything is, but also how meaningful everything is. How everything works. It's it is it is astonishing and. One of my favourites. Um, I, I don't know if I like it more than the *Triumph for Peace*, but it's up there. Um, but I I do like *The Triumph for Peace* a little bit, so um, that might be just biasy. But anyway, moving on uh, to our final piece, we are going to be listening to the, probably the most modern piece that we've played today. Uh, we're going to be listening to um, *The Great Brass Celebration* um, that. Ray Steadman Allen wrote in 1985 for the Cobham Hall A-Band for the music score they had that year um, going along with a set of Bible readings that, um, that we used across that week from Romans 8 which is, that, that's why it's called Romans 8 a brass celebration um, and it really is a celebration of brass in my opinion. It, it it is one of my favorite pieces but it also gives me some some of the most anxiety listening back but listening back to it i don't know why i think it might have just been the long G sharp that i had to play in the middle that i really hated to play because it was too long anyway that's enough about my woes of playing this incredible piece of music let's listen to ray stedman lands great work romans 8 a brass celebration That was the incredible work, Romans 8, A Brass Celebration by Race Steadman Allen in 1985. And I think the recording I used was from Hall in 1985, where it was first played and conducted by Norman Bearcroft um, at ridiculous speed. <laughs> Nobody plays it like that speed anymore. Um, I think that would probably would have been quite fun to play at that speed, especially the like so say you got double tonguing digga digga that 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 that'd be really quite difficult, but the you can hear the musicians are of an excellent quality, especially as they were in the A band. If you're in the A band, you're usually quite a good player. Um, but anyway, that is the end of the first episode of um the new John and Ollie's Rotary Brass Band Music Series Series Two, and I hope you all enjoyed it very much. So. I certainly enjoyed it, and I hope people at home enjoy it too, and i just like to say thank you to those who actually um, said, oh, you should make another episode, you should make another episode, and finally I've got round to doing it, and I thank you for all that encouragement, because I really have needed the encouragement these last few weeks to, to actually do the episode and plan it out, but then again, I'll, I'll speak on the spot, and um, it's, on how it works. But anyway, um, time to go. So thank you and see you next time.
1: Goodbye!